scripture reading for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Those of us who have been faithfully in Bible study all these Sundays are going, we just finished. (laughs) We can start it all over again. All right, Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait For the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Good morning, church. So, you know, the the book of Acts, chapter 1, started off with uh, the author, who is, in fact, Luke, writing um, My Dear Theophilus in my previous book, right? And uh, what was his previous book? This, this Luke who wrote uh, the book of Acts, who was the uh, book of <laughs> Luke? Yep, that's right. Gospel of Luke. And, uh, and like all the four gospels, it is the story of Jesus, life amongst us on earth. And, you know, Luke um, is, is remarkable in that most of the most of the Christmas story that we read will come out of Luke or Matthew. Um, so it really is that, it's that, it's that time when Jesus is on earth. And so when we get to the beginning of the book of Acts, he sort of wraps up that story and moves on to the story of the church. And I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Jesus because the story of his life ends really nicely. You know, like, during his public ministry, he had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And some of those downs were way down, you know? But still, even at the very worst, Jesus never gave up. Jesus never backed down. He never cracked under the pressure. He persevered. He persevered through verbal attacks he, perse- he persevered through physical attacks, through opposition and betrayal, through death and burial. Nothing could stop him. He got up out of the tomb. 
He visited a few hundred people, partly because I think he's showing off, but he's, he's earned the right to, you know? But also so people would know this isn't just a story people made up. He really did rise from the dead. During that time, after his resurrection, he went around doing a few more miracles, walking on water. And then for his, you know, sort of season finale, I guess, I don't know, he rises up through the clouds, just flies straight up in the air. The disciples watch as he gets smaller and smaller till they can't see him anymore. And now, after decades of lowliness, all that gets traded for eternal glory. I love a good ending to a story, don't you? So today we're celebrating the ascension of our Lord, and that's, um, that's kind of what we're doing, right? It's like, it's like a retirement party for Jesus, right? Or like a going away party. It's like, you did good work. We appreciate you. You deserve a rest. And we're glad that you're finally going to get some rest. Right? Some of y'all sense a trap. That's good. Might be because you paid attention during the children's message. But yeah, Jesus is not retired And he did leave. He did. Kind of. But only kind of. Because he's here right now. Amen? Don, we got to get better at these amens. I'm working on it, you know. Is Jesus here now? Amen. And, And he promised to be. So we know he is, because he always keeps his promises. But that wouldn't really be possible if Jesus was still cruising around on earth the same way he did during the Gospel of Luke. At that time, he was always in one place and only one place at any given time. We get stories about that, you know, like um, when Lazarus dies, Jesus was on his way there but he didn't get there before Lazarus died. And he does travel around a lot, you know? I mean, for a guy who's stuck being in one place at a time, he tries to see as many people as, as is humanly possible. I mean, he, he meets thousands of people. He heals, I have no idea how many people, right? The crowds. But think about it. For most of those people, that Jesus saw, talked to, touched, whatever, for most of them, it was a brief encounter. Maybe he goes home with Zacchaeus and has dinner, right? But a lot of folks, they're just there for the sermon. They're there for the touch, and then they're gone. Jesus goes his way, and they go theirs. But now that Jesus has ascended it's different. He's not limited to being in one place at a time. His presence is different, you know? Like, it would be cool if we could 
see him physically with our eyes. That would be cool, you know? I'm looking forward to that. To see him now requires faith. To see him now requires the Holy Spirit revealing him. That's the only way you get to see him today. But that's a pretty good trade-off, I think, because for us, we don't have a brief encounter with Jesus. His presence with us is constant in a way that it couldn't be previously. There's, there's nowhere that you can go that he isn't already there. And he's with you right now, right beside you. And also, he's reigning over it all. He's, you know, he's, he's got, the, he's got the, the, the ground level view of things, and he's also got the top-down view of everything. So what's he doing now? Kicking back? Watching, watching TV? No, no. The work of Jesus did not end at ascension. In, in an interesting way, the work of Jesus multiplies after the ascension. The work that Jesus did on earth constitutes a gospel message, right? It's a gospel, it's a hope that through most of human history, people had to look forward to one day it could happen. What Jesus did on earth was he lived it. And now the gospel isn't something that we point toward hopefully in the future. It's a reality that we testify to. These things are true. These things did happen. So the gospel message is consistent, but also changed, right? Because now we can speak in the declarative of what God has done. That's the mission, getting that life-giving gospel, the message that Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has died for you. He rose again for you. This is a reality today for you. That's the, that's the mission, to get that life-saving gospel out into the world. Get it into the ears and hearts of people who are hopeless without him. That's the mission. What's the mission field? The whole world, right? I mean, you just intuit that, that answer. The mission field is the whole world. Everybody is, is in the purview of the mission. It's intuitive. You get it, right? Because um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we, we get it. Like the whole world is the mission field. That's where we got to get the gospel to. Jesus died for everyone. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what their baggage is. It doesn't matter where they come from, what they look like. Everyone is included in the mission. But that's overwhelming. I mean, what do we got here? 60 people, how are we going to reach the whole world? 
It's too much. Where do you start? Well, if you're one of the apostles, while Jesus is walking around on earth, you know where to go, right? You know where to start. You just, wherever Jesus is, you go there. It's, it's fine. You always know you're in the right spot. But now he's up in heaven. Where do you go? What do you do? What's the plan now? Well, I, actually, the answer is pretty simple. I'm going to give it to you in two parts. The first is this. Start close to home. Start close to home. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus, in his parting words, tells them he will make them his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Let's break that down. Where are the disciples now? They're in a city called Jerusalem, and they're told to wait in that city until the Holy Spirit comes on them. The mission fields the whole world, but they start in one city. It's a pretty local picture, wouldn't you say? Seems a little bit more manageable. From Jerusalem, the city, the next target is Judea. Well, it's not another city. That's the region that Jerusalem is in. So you get this widening circle, right? Jerusalem, Judea. From there, Samaria, which is the region next door, a region that shares a lot of uh, culture, right? Uh, they share some religion with them. They share linguistic stuff. Not the same, but it's closer. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, what's next? The ends of the earth, right? So you, you get this expanding circles of ministry. You don't start at the ends of the earth. You start at home. I told you there were two parts. So the first part is start local. The second part is this. How do you tackle a mission this big? Well, you got to wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait on the Holy Spirit and he will supply the power they need to fulfill the mission. Wait on the Holy Spirit and he will provide the opportunities. He will put the words in your mouth. Apparently, waiting on the Holy Spirit was super important. Because I believe that this mission, sharing the gospel to the world, is of utmost importance to Jesus. Would you agree with that? And yet, he doesn't say, go get started. What he says is, wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, you might think that the reason they're supposed to wait is because they can't be successful without the Holy Spirit. And... By the end, I would agree with you, but let's just be careful how we define success. Because it's possible that without the Holy Spirit, they still could have rustled up a good crowd. It's possible without the Holy Spirit, they could have got a movement going. It's possible that without the Holy Spirit, they might have even brought forward teachings that people still talk about to this day, 
right? I mean, people still talk about stoicism. People still talk about alchemy, right? I mean, like, the Holy Spirit isn't in that. So if that's how you define success, they, they could have been successful without the Holy Spirit. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Even if they had managed to start a church that would last for ages, if they did it without the leading and empowering of the Holy Spirit, it would not be the church of Jesus. It would be some other thing. And whatever that thing is, it would not be the hope of the world. Whatever that thing is, it would not be the place to find the truth of God and to receive the life-saving power of the gospel. For, for the church to be that, they need the Holy Spirit. So, what about today? Suppose, suppose you got excited about the mission of God. Suppose you want to pull together some people to live out the mission of God. Where do we start? I don't think the game plan has changed in 2,000 years. We don't start with the whole world. Start local. We could start right here, right? In this room. We could, we could make this place a house of prayer. We could make this place a, a place of refuge. We could make this place a place where we can confess our sins and be forgiven, where we can be honest and vulnerable. We could make this a place to hear and speak the gospel that is at the center of the mission. I have a feeling you're on board with that. So let's widen the circle. The next step. Maybe we could take it from here into our homes. Maybe we could make our homes a place to speak the gospel. Maybe we can make our homes a place to try and live the gospel. Maybe our homes could be a place of refuge too. And maybe for not just your blood relatives, maybe not just for your immediate family, maybe it could be a place of refuge for other people that are in your life. And maybe if we stretched out from this place into our homes, maybe our homes the circle could widen to our neighborhoods, to our broader community. Maybe we could just encompass the whole city of Liberty Hill under this mission. There's probably a, like a catchy name we could put on this whole thing to encompass this idea. Mission Liberty Hill? Mission Liberty Hill? Yes. That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. And as we embrace Liberty Hill and and even the surrounding communities past that, then, then our scope can grow and grow and grow. But like, I think sometimes we neglect the importance of starting right here. Or I think sometimes maybe we're fine with the current circle. 
And we're not prepared necessarily to widen it to the next stage. I think we are, though. I think we're ready to widen it. That's the mission, right? Now, next week is Pentecost. If you don't want to look like a weirdo, wear red. (laughs) A lot of people are going to be wearing red. If you want to fit in, look, you wear whatever you want, okay, within decency and modesty. But I'm telling you, Frank's a little early, but we're going to do it upright next week. It's Pentecost. And and so, of course, next week we're going to focus on, on the Holy Spirit, how he empowers the church, how he directs the mission. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time in the message today on that. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to think and pray and prayerfully think about No, I'll say it this way. I want you to ask God to show you a picture of what his mission is going to look like in the days, weeks, and months ahead. I want you to ask God to show you a picture of what it means to start local and to expand step by step. I believe if we pray in this way, he he will reveal it to us. I think he's going to fire us up for the potential of the future because you know what? Jesus started with 12. We've got like five times that here today. If you can imagine the impact that those 12 had, I think that the impact we could have, well, I don't know if it'll be the same, but I know it could be significant. But only by the leading and power of the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the life-giving gospel that you've given to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has ascended on high in glory and, and, and reigning over it all and yet still with us right here today. We thank you so much that you have wrapped us into this mission that you have of saving the world. We thank you for the gospel that you have given to us and that you have decided to make us your witnesses right here at home and radiating out from there. Lord, we pray that you would multiply the effect of your gospel so that it would go beyond just giving us hope, giving us consolation and peace, and that it would instead spread from us, radiating out to the people around us, people in our workspaces, people in the places that we play, people in the places that we visit regularly, people in our neighborhoods and throughout the whole city. And Lord, this city is growing plenty fast, so we know there's going to be lots of souls here who need your gospel. Equip us, Lord, for your mission, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.